Attorney Brad Spielberger, recently dubbed attorney Brad Spielberger, pro football focus. Brad, first of all, congratulations. I know you have been studying that bar. You've been getting ready to pass. You got it. Uh, So congratulations, sir, on the last test you'll hopefully ever have to take in your life. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully now my, my words carry a little more weight so people will trust my analysis a little more. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's one way to look at it for sure. The other way could be you might be the brunt of a lot of jokes now. We're not going to make any <laughs> on this show, but we are glad and we're very happy for you as as we consider you a valuable friend of the podcast and friend of pewterreport.com for sure. We do uh, are happy for you and we appreciate you taking some time to be with us today to talk salary caps and contracts and the upcoming 2022 offseason for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You remarked off air that this is kind of one of the more fun teams to talk about cap with. Why do you think that is with Tampa Bay and, and your role as a cap expert? Yeah, so you know every team is different, but there are some clubs that are very particularly unique in the way they approach this, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are certainly on that list. But as you you know responded pre-show, the cool thing is that now they are challenging those conventions and kind of zigging as opposed to their their normal convention because they have to, right? And and they want to continue to contend and, and add all this talent and keep all this talent. So it's just been cool to see them kind of adapt their philosophy to their situation, and they're going to have to do the exact same thing again this offseason. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing. This is an offseason coming up. JC, we talked about it yesterday on the show. It's an offseason coming up that's going to present, obviously, a myriad of challenges for the Bucs. We said that about last offseason, too, and they ended up bringing back everybody. This will be probably more daunting. So, Brad, let me ask you this, and JC and I will kind of alternate questions as we go here, but let me ask you this. With the upcoming offseason that the Bucs face, do you consider this, even though the cap will, will swell and rather than decrease as it did last year, do you consider this to be one of the more, even a more daunting offseason in terms of being able to bring people back than last year was? I would say that if both of the cap situations were, were the same, then I would say it was more daunting. As you mentioned, obviously the cap drop changes things. But it's funny, I, I released a top five players at each position for free agency, just where it is today. The number one wide receiver was a Buccaneer, Chris Godwin. The number one <laughs> corner was Carlton Davis. The number one tight or number two tight end was Rob Gronkowski and so on and so forth. So mm. Ryan Jensen was the number one center. I could keep listing off names. Yeah, they, they have a lot of very good, very important players hitting free agency. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a challenge for sure. JC, we talked about a lot of those players yesterday. I know there's a couple at the top of our list, though, that we probably want to want to ask Brad about today because everybody's got their fingers crossed to whether a couple key guys are coming back to Tampa Bay or not. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the the next year, we still don't know what the cap figure is going to be, but the Bucks project around twenty million, uh, twenty nine million dollars in cap space projections, early projections, depending on where you go. I don't know what you have them pegged that, but with that, one of their biggest free agents to sign is Chris Godwin, and the franchise tag is projected to be around nineteen million dollars. And John and I kind of talked, and that's I think where we think he'll start at in contract negotiations. But twenty nine million dollars, how do you afford to bring people back? First off. Yeah, so this is a really cool point that I, I was talking about this earlier with respect to this, this how you look at cap space for 2022 and compare across teams. And so, 
Yes, the Bucks are near the bottom of that list at overthecap.com and, and have a bunch of decisions to make. But the thing, too, is that they have a ton of contracts where they can push money out into the future. Uh, Donovan Smith has void years in his recent extension for a reason. I'm sure they'll do it with him. Ali Marpet could be a candidate there as well. There's a bunch of other names, you know, so on and so forth. And so if you look at, like, for example, the Cowboys, they're currently listed as negative, but they have seven guys with salaries over $10 million. They have Dak and Amari at $20 million. They can take almost that entire amount and push it into the future. So it is different team to team. The Bucks have some work to do, but they'll be okay. Now, how do you do that without ending up in a situation where the Saints are? You know, it seems year after year they're over the cap and they're having to panic and structure, but they still end up bringing guys in. It seems like magic every year. How do you avoid that situation for the Bucks, who, as we've talked about, have been really careful over the years with what they do with their cap space? And now, like John said, they're starting to take these risks. How do you how do you weigh those risk versus rewards with this team, you know, with the cap? Yeah, 100%. So when you when you kind of go all in as the Saints did and the Eagles are still in a bit of a tough spot as well and they're a team next year where they're already kind of near the bottom of cap space and they have very few contracts they can actually, you know, change and, and and maneuver around. So, yeah, what you have to do is I think you have to balance it and everything is cohesive, right? So, you take some charges up front and also do some pushing money into the future. So, you know, obviously gobble on the franchise tag, but like Mike Evans in the past would have a ton of money up front and there's other contracts like that and when you do that with the cash, it keeps players happy and, and they're getting big cash early on. And that way you don't have to extend or rework these deals. Um, and it all kind of works together. Hmm. It's interesting because we talked about that kind of last year with pushing money down the road. And it was the first time the Bucks had really delved into that. And they started to push some money down the road. We had you on after free agency and the dust settled. And you kind of said, you know, right now it's not really at a level where it'd be super debilitating for them down the road. They're just kind of using it responsibly still. We're going to get into the specifics of these player situations. But one thing I'm curious about is how much of a crossroads are they at this season? Like with an offseason where they're pushing a lot of money down the road, um, if they want to bring back most of these players, which like we said, probably can find a way to do, but it's at what cost to the future. Are they in danger? I say danger because it's also, and in quotes, because it's also a good thing because it means they're probably going to be better this upcoming season, but are they in danger of getting into Saints territory in terms of being pretty cap-strapped for a while? So the beauty, again, with their timing is that I think, so a lot of misconception around this as well. The cap will go up next year in 2022, but they've already set a ceiling on that number at about $208 million. So the true spike will be 2023. And I think mm-hmm. what Tampa and a lot of teams, I think Arizona did this a little bit as well, is they're essentially planning for 2023 to have a big chunk mm-hmm. of dead cap um, a lot of money going to players that aren't going to be there anymore, kind of, you know, take their wounds and, and then go from there. But if the cap jumps to, you know, 240 million or something like that in 2023, right. then look, if 40 million of that is going to, you know, dead cap, it's not good, but you can definitely still work around it. Hmm. Interesting. I love that uh, because that thinking out in future years in terms of what the cap will be is, is very different. You know, the saints really, they were in a bad spot anyway, but they kind of definitely got screwed with the cap going back yeah. down or whatever. That was probably harder for them than really many teams in recent memory almost. So um, I, here's what I want to ask if, to start things off because it's the number one free agent that I think on most, on most bucks fans, not all, but most bucks fans mind is Chris Godwin last year, went into free agency we had you on, we talked at length about this on the show. And then I think you and I have talked and texted a ton about it and just kind of like, what is the the market for Chris Godwin? Look at the market for wide receivers last year. Free agency was really bad, pretty much across the board. You know, Galladay did end up getting paid, but it was kind of late in the process. 
I guess some surprising guys got paid early on and Aguilar and, and Kendrick Bourne and something like that. But Juju Smith-Schuster and some others that a lot of people thought would get something hardly got anything. And Godwin, I don't know, maybe look a look at that. I was like, I'm, I'm okay playing on the prove it franchise yeah. tag. I know what I can do if I get to play 16 games, which he did not last year. Now, you know, if he does so far so good, he's leading the team in most categories, uh, catches, I believe in, in yards um, and is up there in touchdowns as well. And so, when you look at Chris Godwin's situation, do you think he gets affected by the suddenly dwindling market for wide receivers, or is he kind of in the the wrong above that the need for that concern, especially if he keeps up his current pace? It's going to be a really interesting question because I still think it's a bit of a new phenomenon to where teams now think they can take a guy with a top 100 pick at receiver and he can be productive pretty much from day mm-hmm. one. And of course, that's not every player, but but we have seen a lot of examples of that. So. I think that'll be interesting. And also, there's a lot of talent at wide receiver again. And so, just like last year, maybe some teams will make those signings early. Then, yes, like New England paid too much for Aguilar and Bourne. There's a couple other not great contracts. But when they get those done, it just shrinks the market for, you know, how many teams could be in on Godwin. So, I'll also say this. He had the injuries last year. He's had a couple of injuries kind of throughout his career. I was very surprised when I was told what his market and kind of what he was hearing from Tampa, where that was at. It was less than I would have guessed by a good amount of money. Mm. Um, I think, yes, he's having a good season, so that number will definitely go up. And obviously, he didn't accept the deal, so he, he felt he was worth more than that. But Mike Evans is a very interesting piece of all of this because I know last offseason, their argument essentially was, why should we pay you more than Mike Evans? And that's a mm. bit of an unfair argument because when the cap goes up, everyone's contracts go up. And so, right. you know, $16.5 million for Mike Evans in 2018 is not $16.5 million per year now. But nevertheless, mm. I think the Bucks will be able to get it done because I do think it's going to come in a bit below what his talent dictates. I think he likes Tampa. I think he loves the situation. And look, if he gets a Galladay offer or near, you know, $18 million per year, maybe $20 million per year, I think he'd be open to it. Yeah, interesting. I want to hear a number, but first, let's talk about our friends over at Celsius because they are sponsoring today's podcast as they do all of the Peter Report podcasts. They'll sponsor the show. Celsius powers active live every day with essential functional energy and all of the great flavors that they offer all taste good. It's unbelievable how many flavors they have and how good they all taste and how there's no sugar in any of them. They're good for you. They give you the energy boost that you need to be productive, get through your day. If you haven't slept much, like your boy over here, and there's not the crash that comes from other energy drinks too. So you're not getting a lot of you're not getting the crash. You're not getting a lot of the bad stuff you get in other energy drinks. So make sure you check out Celsius. You can go to Celsius.com and use the store locator to find out which Celsius are near you, where they sell Celsius near you, or you can just go on to Amazon and you can use a subscribe and save option. Get Celsius coming right to your door on the regular basis, or you can click those banner ads over at PeterReport.com and order yourself some Celsius as well so we appreciate uh celsius obviously being the title sponsor of the show and being just such a tasty beverage uh brad let me let me ask you this with chris godwin what's the number looking like then okay you talk about no could you want to pay more than than mike evans you know i look at the wide receiver contracts in the nfl right now and i'm saying okay well maybe you're not in the julio hopkins territory in terms of average per year but I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. The cap goes back up. Does is 20 million per year crazy for Chris Godwin? Is it should it will it be well under that? Am I crazy for thinking he could start asking in the 20 range? I think he now can definitely start asking in the 20s. I okay. mean, obviously, Devontae Adams' deal will be interesting and, and that'll affect everything. You know, depending how big he, uh, the deal he gets, it might have a trickle down effect. But 
like I said, last offseason, I had Goblin around 21. And I can tell you that the offer that he didn't accept, but I think was maybe close to accepting, was about $5 million per year less than that. So, like I said, right under Mike Evans. And so now I think he'll surpass him. I don't think he would take kind of a, a team friendly deal, but. 20 million per year, I guess, is kind of a number where I have it at. Like, if I, I think if a team offered him four years, $80 million, whatever team that is, I think he would very strongly consider it. And that might sound like a, a ton and like a lot, but you can make an argument that he should ask for 23 million per year and might get it because he's a really good player. There are teams that are in desperate need of wide receiver help. Um, and, and so he could try to go that route if you wanted to. Now, how does how does a franchise tag work and all that? Obviously, he's tagged this year. He's tagged next year. It starts at nineteen million dollars. But we know about that third year, the big bump in that. If you're in a, if he's negotiating, uh, you know, where does that bring his his top value, his top number compared to where where we think his bottom number is around nineteen, uh, and what teams actually have money to offer that would be in play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 100%. And so the franchise tag, even when it's not applied, the way every contract negotiation tends to work is the team and agent will say, okay, if we were to tag this guy twice, because that is always kind of the threat that the, that the team leverages, here's what those would be. And then we're going to work off of that. So I would say that for them, they would say, okay, if the franchise tag is going to be around $19 million, that's not our floor, but that's kind of like, that's where the conversation starts because mm -hmm. you, you're going to, if you're not going to sign him, you're going to give him $19 million for one season. So why would we then take less than $19 million for a couple seasons? Obviously, you're buying out years from the team perspective. And, and like I said, contracts always go up. So the player is kind of forfeiting the potential to make more, obviously, with the security being you know the, the, the return they get. So yeah. the franchise tag number is a perfect number. It's going to set where they work around. And, and I think it'll land around that number. And you and, think minimal chance he would get slapped with the tag again? Or how do you see that working out? I Especially think with the other guys. Carlton Davis, I think, complicates matters there. And it's a $15 million franchise tag or around 15 for for cornerback. And, and obviously, you know, they have a need at corner. They don't really have a need at receiver. It's always good to have a bunch of good ones. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think that that's why they're not going to be able to leverage that tag as much as they were last year. Because mm -hmm. I think Carlton Davis, the thing there is he sees a guy like a Marshawn Lattimore, you know, get – Top of top of line cornerback money in the NFC South, a guy who's missed time with injuries, a guy who almost got suspended for, you know, so on and so forth. So Davis shouldn't be taking, you know, much less than 18 million per year himself. So I think they need the tag for him hmm. and that will lead to them having a true negotiation with Chris Godwin. Hmm. Now, who's out there to really compete? for Chris Godwin services that has the money that has the cap space that the Bucks should be really worried about. You said, you know, if a team comes out and offers them, uh, you know, four at 80 or higher than that, what, what, what are those teams? What do they look like? What are the situations look like at quarterback and kind of, you know, weather? Cause I think that plays a lot too into Godwin's decision as well. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And so this first answer probably doesn't sound like a good one, but at this point, I would be surprised if the Chicago Bears and Allen Robinson even talk about an extension. I, I just don't see it at this point. Um, and I think the Bears will want to get a, a legitimate number one option for Justin Fields to, to be able to you know rely on and lean on. Um, so I, And I know they love Darnell Mooney on the outside, so they wouldn't have an issue if Godwin was primarily playing on the inside. They think Mooney has the potential to potentially become a number one guy. I haven't really bought into that yet, but I think he could be a very good number two or him and Chris Godwin could be a phenomenal, you know, mm -hmm. kind of one, one, a situation. So I think Chicago is a team to watch there. Um, you know, I think the Chargers are interesting as well. If they don't bring back Mike Williams, who's having a great year, but they were kind of afraid to approach an, an extension talk with him this past off season. He's on the fifth year option this year. Like I said, playing better, but has always kind of had issues with injuries and stuff like mm -hmm. that. 
I guess him and Keenan Allen are a bit redundant, but I think they're, they're a name to watch as well. Yeah, they're definitely a name to watch, especially if Joe Lombardi stays there. He watched what Chris Godwin did in that division for a long time, and he had a good slot himself and Michael Thomas a lot of time using there. So, And and like you said, um, Godwin is kind of one of those guys that can do so many different things. It's hard to not imagine. You know, you, you could talk about some of these other receivers that were in free agency last year. Hard to see any of them as well-rounded as Godwin's skill set, which is why I think he's – just kind of above the conversation of the of the market dropping for wide receivers. So some good perspective on Chris Godwin there. Let's move to Carlton Davis because you talked about him and potentially the tag. Here's the struggle with Carlton Davis, Brad. Two first two years were, were fine. He was growing. He was getting better. They were clearly very optimistic about him heading into year three. We were all kind of surprised at how excited the coaching staff was. And then he really played pretty well other than the Tyree Kill game, which I don't know if anybody would have held up in that matchup in, in year three. He was really impressive. And then he started off this season really well, but then gets hurt halfway through his fourth game of the year. Maybe he'll be back for the Washington game, maybe the week after, but he's probably going to miss you know, a third of the season at least. Um, and then we'll see how he, how he plays is probably a big part of that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how he plays to finish off the year, probably a big part of it. How he plays maybe if they get to the playoffs could be a big part of it with teams. The recency bias thing is probably pretty real, but he's, I think last year he took steps toward becoming like a really quality number one corner. And I would say at some points he was even the most valuable player just because the drop off with Murphy Bunting and Dean last season was so significant. He was really valuable to them last year. There's also this part of me that thinks maybe this scheme isn't perfect for him unless they play more press man. And, you know, he's a fine zone corner, but he's definitely at his best in press man. They are playing more press man recently. I feel like there's a lot of moving factors and variables with the Carlton Davis situation. Even if he plays like basically, let's say how he started the season. So he doesn't go crazy and look like the number one corner in the league, but he, he plays, keeps playing solid, really good football. Clearly the team's best corner, yada, yada, when the season ends. What do you think happens with him? Is this a tag situation? Is this like now nah, we're going, we're, we want to contract right away with you, we want to lock you up long term? Is he worth 15 mil per year? You know, if he plays at that level, I just, what, how do you see the situation with him? Yeah. So with him, I would say, I think a tag 100% is in play. And, and whether they want to extend him or not, I think they'll just do that and then figure things out from there. I think his situation is one where scarcity is going to drive a lot of the value. You know, if you look at the top cornerbacks available, Beyond him, the guys that are young, the only other name that jumps out to me is Dante Jackson in Carolina. And obviously Carolina has added 11 cornerbacks in the last month. So they you know, they, they, they say they like him and they say that bringing in Gilmore, bringing in Henderson, drafting J.C. Horn top 10, they've said consistently that does not you know impact their decision to extend him or not. But who knows if that's true. After that, the list is guys like Stephon Gilmore and, and Joe Hayden and, and a lot of 30-plus-year-old players. So <laughs> even if Carlton Davis does show you know some vulnerabilities, um, I still think they will apply the tag. Jalen Ramsey has been a blessing for every other team. I think that 20 million number is still a ceiling that players respect Jalen Ramsey so much. They don't even argue, mm. like, I want more than him because I'm the next guy up. I think that'll last one more offseason, and then we'll see someone break through and, and want to get more than Ramsey. But – I think if the Bucks, if he accepted, you know, Shaq Barrett's contract, essentially 18 million, 17 million, I think both sides would sign it in a heartbeat and have no wow. problem with that. Wow. wow. So you think Carlton could generate that kind of per year? 17, I do. 18 uh, yeah, range. I, wow. I do. And actually, to the, to the scheme point, which is interesting, maybe Todd Bowles staying or not staying could be interesting mm. too. Maybe if yeah. he gets hired elsewhere, maybe they bring a guy in and they say, all right, we're going to extend Carlton and make mm. him the focal point. And because of that, we're going to hire a head coach that wants to play more press man and, and do things that cater to his skill set. 
Wow. 17, 18. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at the franchise tag, it's projected to be around 17 and a half million right there. So if they do tag and that's what they're working with, but the, fran- the transition tag is only around 14. You know, what's the big, uh, the big difference between the franchise transition tag, uh, you know, for the viewers out there. And, and do you think that transition tag is, is at least possibility too to kind of start negotiations at a lower point rather than the, than the franchise? Great question. So I'm well versed in this because my Chicago Bears did it with Kyle Fuller and it's it's generally not a route you want to go unless there's way more questions. And I don't know if people remember, but Kyle Fuller, there was rumors that he intentionally sat out part of a season when the Bears stunk and, and he just didn't really want to play and and he missed some time to injury and stuff like that. And they still went this route. And so what the transition tag does is you apply the tag, like you said, there's a lower value, but other teams can then sign that player to an offer sheet. And you get a right of first refusal as the original team. So the Green Bay Packers ended up signing Kyle Fuller to a deal. Chicago accepted it, you know, took it on. Anyways, it's not, it doesn't really make sense, in my opinion, to use it in the NFL unless you are comfortable letting the guy walk. Because you have to kind of dictate that the other team dictates the terms of the contract, which is part of the reason Fuller got cut this offseason. So there's kind of that as well. Uh, as Green Bay, it's not a poison pill, but Green Bay kind of structured it in a difficult way. Long story short, because the scarcity factor, if they do the transition tag, someone else is going to sign him for a deal that is going to be huge. And so they're going to have to match it anyways. So yeah. why not just sign a deal on your terms or just mm-hmm. don't tag him at all? Right. So, so you, so mm, don't tag him at all. That'd be so what's, well, I so say, do you sorry, think, I say don't transition tag him, yeah. just, okay, just franchise right, gotcha. tag or just sign him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understood. I was yeah. going to, I was yeah. going to say, oh, should, okay. should they not? <laughs> I got you. Um, okay. So the interesting. So the franchise tag, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be, yeah, 18. I mean, that would be on the more on than the what we were talking team. about yesterday. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I don't know where the contract goes with Carlton Davis just because I don't even know when he's coming back this season. <laughs> like, <laughs> he hasn't been activated for return. And maybe, you know, but you're right. Like, I still think he's good. I mean, it's hard to tell with guys that don't have, you know, he plays in a small market. They don't have this. He doesn't have a big national profile. I don't see people talk about him much. I don't know how teams view him. But I mean, he studies like crazy. He's been mostly healthy until this point, uh, you know, with this quad injury. Um, that's not, I wouldn't think it's a long-term thing or anything. Um, you know, he's young, he's physical, he tackles, he's aggressive or support. He's definitely versatile coverage-wise. And if he yeah. can play like this in his own scheme when he's obviously good and press uh, man as well. So there are layers mm-hmm. to that and you're interesting. It's a valuable position for sure. The one thing that we do know about Carlton Davis is that he, he can stand up against top competition i mean julio jones twice a year michael thomas twice a year you look what he did to Devontae adams shutting him down to you know under 70 yards which i think is shutting down Devontae adams at this point in his career he was great against Devontae adams yeah when adam's biggest catch i think came not against davis i believe so i I, no go ahead go ahead (laughs) no i was just gonna say i think he's proven it but again as john said what does the league think about him and that's something that i don't think that we really know or hear too much down here so that's, I think that's a huge point. I also think research we've done you know, looking at corners specifically is that man guys or guys with the ability to play press man coverage will get paid more. So all yeah. else equal, it's just a more valuable skill set because fewer guys are capable of doing that. An example from this past offseason, you know, William Jackson was like had missed so much time. He is a talented guy. He can yeah. take on anyone's anyone another team's number one, maybe not as effectively, but he had a strong market simply because teams think we can put this guy on an island if we absolutely have to. And he got what? Was it 13 and a half? 13 and a half, which was the biggest deal at corner of the offseason. Not a huge deal. And part mm. of it is because the drop also just because he's not quite as talented. He's also was 29 years old when he signed that. Whereas I want to say Carlton's 20 will be 26 yeah, this offseason. 
but, but but regardless, like teams probably think Shaq Griffin is a better player than Will than Will Jackson is, but they don't think Shaq Griffin can actually line up one on one with the team's mm. number one guy. Oh, yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it's a good perspective there on Carlton Davis. Great. Okay. So we know what the what the market could look like for Carlton Davis. Get yourselves ready. Uh, let's talk about Ryan Jensen now. Trickier. Well, maybe not trickier, but he, he's 30. He'll be 31 next year. His style of play uh, is extremely physical. And so you always worry about linemen uh, bodies at that point. To, this is how I view the Ryan Jensen situation. And Brad, you tell me if I'm totally off or not what I'm thinking. If I'm him, I'm wondering, do I have do I have two more years left in me and a winning team and I want to go for a two-year deal at basically the same rate I'm at now. They're around the same rate I would guess that he's at now since he's playing at such a high level and probably finish this thing off and, and retire when I'm like 33, going to be 33 that offseason of when I retire. And, and that's kind of how I see it. Or am I looking to cash out big, four-year deal, maybe the fourth year is not as heavy with guarantees and teams can get out of it easier. But that probably could be on the table for him if he goes out to the market. I'm guessing one or two teams that have one of these bad teams with tons of cap space and horrible offensive line needs a culture change guy, kind of like the Bucks a couple of years ago <laughs> say like, Hey, come in here, be our guy. We're going to smash. We're going to run the ball while our young quarterback develops. We know you love to destroy people. You'll come in here and be a part of a different type of offense, but one that allows you to just bash people for the last few years of your career. And then it's a four-year deal. And then the Bucks might be less inclined to go that direction. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Ryan Jensen? Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And I think the analogy is last offseason with uh, Corey Lindsley, who was with the Green Bay Packers forever, got that offer, got the four-year highest-paid center in the NFL offer from the Chargers. And I think a, a kind of a, a perfect match would be, let's say the New York Jets. You're going to say, hey, Ryan Jensen, we love to run the ball. You can you can play forward and just maul people. We just traded for a right guard. We drafted a left tackle. We're, we're really invested. We traded up and drafted a left guard in the t- you know, top 15 picks. Come in here, be the veteran leader on this offensive line. Yes, I know it's the New York Jets, and you're leaving. You're choosing to leave Tampa Bay to go to New York, but I guess you know Laurent Duvernay Tardif just chose to go from the Chiefs to the Jets. But long story short, that is the decision. He could either cash out, and I think he will, um, or he could go for that. You know, like you said, finish out the career with still money that that respects him and pays him near where he's worth. Um, working in the Bucks' favor, unlike cornerback, there are a billion free agent centers available this offseason. So mm-hmm. they will have the leverage to say like, look, we like you a ton. We want you to stay, but there are a lot of centers hitting the market. So that could help them as well. And how old was Lindsay? He was, I think 30, like he is okay. so a year so younger, right. so, you know, 29, 30 range. So right, but similar, very similar. So it might depend what Jensen wants. Does he want the, the term and, and probably more money over more years? Or does he think, and I want to go out as with a winner with Tom Brady and, play for a couple more years because the Bucks have for a four-year deal to Ryan Jensen I'm just not sure he's not missed time but his body is I mean what I don't know it's it's just interesting given his place now 100% and the thing too there is is it's a third contract I mean you already made him one of the highest paid centers in football when you paid him so you might think like look we already gave you a phenomenal deal not that like you're gonna leverage that to say take a a softer deal but in your mind a lot of teams try to avoid that third contract because yeah injury is a big part of it Hmm. yeah I think I mean one thing's for sure, he's probably not getting the franchise tag coming in at around sixteen million next year. Um, but you make you make interesting points, especially about you know the the free agency having a lot of centers on the market because I still feel like center is one of those those positions in the league that there are very few good top centers. There, you know, there's a bunch of guys that come in, but none of them are really, especially in the draft too, none of them are really like top tier centers. And Ryan Jensen is is that he's a top tier center. 
And to, to John's point, the four-year contract would be there. But if the Bucks wanted to stay shorter, what is it going to take? He's making $10 million this year. Would a, would a two-year, $24 million deal work? You think for him is that what he's looking at? Maybe a slight raise, or are we talking he's getting you know 14 million per? Is it 12, 14? What's the market number looking like for a guy like Ryan Jensen? Yeah, so I don't think you could pay him less than 10, but I think you could probably try to start at 10 and just say, hmm. look, you're, you're you played well, you you outperformed this contract, but now we're we're not paying for past performance, we're paying for who you're going to be going forward. But yes, then another team I think would come in and offer 12, 13 range, just kind of out of desperation. Like you said, as a leader, as a guy who, you know, would eat glass if you asked mm -hmm. him to. And I think a lot of teams in the NFL need a guy like that on their offensive mm -hmm. line. So yeah, right around there, um, you know, pay cut, I don't see, but like you said, center is also very interesting where about 10 guys a year get paid. And then most teams will just take like undrafted free agents or the mm -hmm. worst guard on the roster. Like, it's funny how teams allocate resources. Some teams don't like are unwilling to spend there. Um, so maybe that helps the Bucks a little bit mm. as well. Yeah, it's going to be his situation will be because what is he thinking? That's the other part. Like, I yeah. don't have any idea. Like some of these guys, I know they love Tampa. They love. I don't know with Ryan Jensen, like Ali Marpet said the other day. I don't think most of us want to know what Ryan Jensen's thinking on the regular <laughs> basis. So we don't know what to expect of, Question, from Ryan Jensen this offseason. The for biggest sure. thing, too, is what does how does the season end up for mm -hmm. some of these older players you know the younger players whatever they're gonna go out they're gonna try to make their money whether it's here whether it's someone else with the older players like a ryan jensen it's you know what is their mindset exactly like john said what are they thinking are they thinking hey let's we don't want to go start all over with a young quarterback and having to learn the protections and how to snap the ball and everything you know so it, it's it's really difficult to kind of project some of these older guys out especially the ones coming up next in our in the next list of group of yeah, guys. For sure. We're going to get to the V word here, the, the void. Uh, we're going to talk about those void years in a second. But first, I got to I gotta let people know about our friends at Underdog Fantasy because right now there's an awesome opportunity going on at underdogfantasy.com. By using the promo code Pewter, if you're a new user and you sign up, they are going to do a deposit match up to $100. So if you deposit $100 in there to use, they are going to give you $100 to use. There's all kinds of stuff you can get into. You can get into – they have turn, a bunch of tournaments up on the main page. doesn't matter if it's NFL or if you like are into other sports. I'm a big NBA guy, so – you know, I've been doing the player prop bets, the pickums over an NBA, over the NBA section that the other site that they have. Um, I love them, and you can do them for NFL games too. For I won money on Chris Godwin like every week, I think, uh, <laughs> betting over at Underdog Fantasy. So go over to Underdog Fantasy, put down some money there. But if you whatever you deposit, they are going to match it. So if you put in 100, you put in 50, whatever, they'll match it and they'll go back to you. So you'll get double the amount there, and you'll be able to use that to get yourself some cheese right now. So make sure you go over to underdogfantasy.com, use that promo code pewter uh, and make that available to yourself. Uh, okay, Brad, let's talk about void years. We talk, started talking about with Jensen, you know, that could, he could be a guy that's a possibility. And so as we broach the subject uh, of void years, as we start looking at some more of these, what could be short-term deals, if they want to bring back some vets, some older vets on the roster, what's the situation with that right now in Tampa Bay with void years and how likely do you think it's, it is to be used across a large number of players? Certainly we know Chris Godwin, Carlton Davis, it's possible, but those could be guys that they're looking to do, you know, they're younger players. They're looking for their first big contract. They're looking to do more normal contracts with those guys, but some of the older guys who they might want to bring back for one or two years or, or three, you know, they might be looking to void years as an option for them. 100%. I think it will apply more to the, you know, the Gronkowskis, the maybe Dominican Sue, you know, mm -hmm. Ryan Jensen, potentially those guys where 
the target year again the target is 2023 it's already been set up that way to where the whole point of this is essentially just to you know help you in the short term and then we'll, we'll get a flood of cap hitting in 2023 so I think that will happen again. I think we will see it. Um, but like you said, I think Godwin and, and Davis potentially would sign for four or five years, so you wouldn't need them. Um, but yep, for the older guys, they're, they're definitely not going anywhere. Yeah, for sure. And so you've got a three on the defensive line. Jason Pierre-Paul going to be 33 years old, I believe, this offseason. Obviously, the body is <laughs> starting to break down a little bit. He's just that he's already ever practices the last two years. He's on the injury report all the time. He's playing with a club on his hand. He's got a shoulder issue. He's, you know, he's being really tough about it, but it's easy to tell when you talks about it, how much pain he's in playing in on a regular basis has maintained that he not want to, at least last time we got him to talk about it. He is not at no plans of retiring anytime soon. Pain is very doesn't matter to Jason Pierre Paul. It's like very relative to him. He does not like he is one of the one percent even in the NFL. I don't think he I think he's a unique dude and that I don't think that would stop him from playing really at any point. Like he just loves football that much. Obviously there's the value of the locker room leader, the vocal guy, all of those things. The level of play it it's dropped off this year. Yeah, he's been hurt so much it's hard to know what is the cause of what at this point, but also he's, you can probably bet on him being hurt even if he plays through it in the future given how the last few years and you know, even his Bucks tenure is gone. He's played through a lot of injuries, but he's been injured pretty much the whole time he's been in Tampa Bay one way or the other. So what do you envision happening with Jason Pierre-Paul this offseason? Then we'll look at Indomitian Sue and Will Golston. Or you can feel free to throw the thoughts in on those guys in the conversation as well. Yeah, you know, with with with, uh, with JPP at edge, it's again not a super strong group. Um, and so it's going to be kind of a similar decision for him to where – and for him, I would say even more so maybe than Jensen. I think he might lean towards, I just want to win Super Bowls and just compete and, and contend. He's made a good amount of money so far in his career. Um, but yeah, I think there will be a team that says that, that is that is willing to offer him a good bit more than Tampa will. I mean, obviously, Joe Tryon, the, the, not to say the yeah. entire point of the pick, but obviously a big part of that pick is the secession yeah. plan beyond JPP. And so, you know, they want him on the field as they should. He's a talented young player. So mm-hmm. he's one where... It's going to be a decision between some team will probably offer him because if you look at the list of available guys, it's not strong. Him and Chandler Jones, you know, again, older guys, not really kind of young studs coming up. Someone could offer him like a two-year, twenty-five million. Where I think the Bucks will probably go the Dominican Sue route, and so we'll kind of transition to that. But you know, they'll offer the one-year, eight million type of thing. Um, you know, give him the chance to you know still make good money, um, but you know, contend. And, and I think that'll be the situation there with Sue and Golston. The interior defensive line class is probably the worst in the, of all positions in the NFL. So, wow. yeah. So, so that's one, another interesting one too. Like there, there is our top guy is Calais Campbell, who is 36 years old. Akeem Hicks, I think is our third ranked guy. Like who's 30, going to be 33 or 34. His, his body's falling apart too. It is. Yeah. It's been a yeah. fortunate. Also, he's a guy where, like you said with JPP, like when he does play, you can tell he's probably playing through something because yeah. he just doesn't look the same. And, right. and he's been a, um, in my opinion, again, a Bears fan, but super underrated the last couple of years, and now oh, yeah. you're kind of you're kind of seeing it with him. Um, mm-hmm. But those are the top guys, and and so um, that'll be interesting to see. I think they 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 should stick around. Uh, I mean, I don't think that teams are going to kind of break the bank there. They're probably just going to pass on interior defenders for this offseason. Right. There's also that caveat that Sue could very well retire at this point. I mean, yeah. he and McClendon are the oldest two defensive tackles in the league, unless you count Campbell. You know, as a defensive tackle too, and he's probably the only guy that's older than them playing right now. He's still balling out, by the way. He might be one of those guys that defies it and has like an Andrew Whitworth like run to his 40s. He has that right. kind of he has that kind of future at him. Sue is already I mean he is a good solid player who 
it keeps himself in unbelievable shape and still has never missed a game due to injury in his entire career, which is unbelievable. So there would still be a market for him, I think. It would be one-year stuff probably, like I said, 35 years old, and, and he's just not a pass rusher anymore. He's not really impactful in that way very much. And so you know, he is going to bring something to the team for sure. The Bucks, I'm sure, would love him back. But it can't be what's nine. Is he at nine this year? Nine million? Right. Eight or yeah. nine, which yeah, I agree. They wouldn't offer that this time around. What would it be, do you think? Half of that? I mean, like it's half six of that. Slash. Yeah. 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 Half and, of that. And he might be a guy where like Jarrell, I, I was told this offseason Jarrell Casey was getting offers to play, um, but just not to where he was willing to play for. Mm-hmm. Um, so there might even be a question of like where where is the limit with Adamic and Sue where he's willing to put his body through all yep. the, you know, yeah. the, the wear and tear. Um, I think that's that, exactly what it is. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I don't think I don't think he'll play anywhere else, but I don't know if he'd come back to the Bucks for uh, that little too. And that's what they've got to do. They've got to put their foot down there because the six sacks, honestly, it might have made things tough. They were a lot of covered sacks. He's not a pass rusher, but last year he still got six sacks, and you know that that matters in the negotiation table, right. whether it's yeah. or not. And so that might have kind of backfired on them a little bit. What and Golston, you and I talked about this a little bit, Brad. Probably the most underrated player on the Bucks. Maybe yeah. defense, maybe really important to them. Probably not going to generate a lot of buzz around the league. Yeah, there's just not a ton of production there or a big profile. He's going to be 31, I believe, uh, before next season starts. Is that, I think that's right. So, you know, he's probably he's gotten better every year of his career, but I still don't know if he's good enough to like demand a huge contract. He's always played in Tampa. He and David are like the, the old heads, the longest tenured guys. I just feel like he finishes it out in Tampa. It would be weird to see him somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I, I, this is why I love having conversations with people like yourself because I didn't, I, I missed missed on Will Golson last offseason and didn't really know like what he brought to the table. Um, he's an important player. You know, he he makes an impact on the defensive line. Um, like you said, I almost feel like he's out. He looked good this year as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think the story's out on him to where like you don't really like boost your pay at this point. You you essentially can keep it where it is, which right. which is a success. Which for him is like I think five and a half million. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably even too much. Maybe they offer three and a half, four, um, just because they care about him and in, in, you know in the locker room yep. and stuff like that. But yeah, he, he won't have much of a market. Yeah, oh, so okay. you're thinking more three three for twelve or something like that around there? Because I was right. go, I was looking at like three. Three to eighteen or something like that. So I think you yeah. could maybe pull off a three for twelve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. I think that would be. I think that would make sense to be just because pass rush everybody's paying for. They feel like they can find run defenders all over the place. Teams are undrafted. Guys are playing. Run. I just wonder if that and and he's he is to be honest. He's on the Bucks. He's probably the second best interior pass rusher. Like that's <laughs> they just have a bunch of run stuffers. Um, and I think having him though is so important to Tampa Bay because if Sue moves on, McClendon probably retires after this year. You know, you don't – Rakeem Nunez Roaches will be around, but you, he's not an every-down starter. Everybody knows that. And so you, you, I think Golston becomes kind of an important player to keep around. I think you're right Absolutely. that they will do that. Um, so, okay, go ahead, JC. I just want to ask, just jumping the gun a year here then too, you know, you got Vita Vea coming up. Um, mm-hmm. Is that somewhere where you're like, hey, we're just going to wait till 2023 once the cap jumps up and address you then, you know, once you're once – you're, rookie deal is up or is there someone that because obviously you're going to need to open up cap space and you can only go to Ali Marpet and Mike Evans and these guys so many times before they have no more cap left to push right so is it is it a case where Vita Vea making I think eight million dollars next year in the fifth year of his option seven million somewhere around there is that somewhere where they look at him as possibly an extension to kind of free up some of that money and get in early before the big cap jump spikes up next in 2023 where people will pay money willy-nilly to everybody 
110%. And I think they would be very, very smart, not only because the market will jump, <laughs> but also, I mean, look, you have Quinn and Williams, you have Derek Brown, you have all these guys coming from the drafts after him. Kenny Clark has a really strong deal. I would consider him the top contract at nose tackle or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it at 17 and a half million per year, which is a lot of money. Um, Vega's probably looking, I know maybe you'll guess maybe 20 million or close to 20 million per year himself, yeah. but you get that deal done. I know you get that deal done. And I'm telling you by 2025, there will be interior yeah. guys making 30 million a year and you'll feel good about it. So and, and his uh, bump wouldn't come until they could structure. I mean, structure plus he is right. Left, yeah. So yeah. they could yeah. set they it low, up. So they're probably clear cap space with the extension. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Good point. Yeah. They needed, you're right. That'll probably be something they look at doing because they want him around. Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't want to get into the van because I, everybody loves him and I love him too, but you comes to a point that 20 million a year for a guy who just doesn't, he doesn't get that many, like he doesn't get that many sacks. He's yeah. a good pass rusher, you know, for what he is, in but he doesn't get off blocks and finish very often. And there just needs to be, I don't know that he ever is going to. And so I, again, love the player, but you always, the conversation shifts from whether yeah. you like the player to value and it becomes really interesting. You know, even Kenny Clark, who I think is probably a little bit of a better pass rusher than Vita yeah. Vey. I don't know if anybody is as good a run defender as Vita Vey for what he does. You know, you can argue how valuable that is. We saw that conversation happen with Brandon Williams for years with Baltimore. Obviously, Vey is a better pass rusher than Brandon Williams was, but there does come to the value point of the conversation with Vey. We'll have that conversation down the road, though. We'll have you back on that, that conversation. <laughs> right down I want to see how it would play out yeah. cap-wise. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good thought, JC, and a good question, because I hadn't thought about that. Like There are things that they can do now with current players, and we're not that at that point with Devin White, though, right? Like, no. <laughs> I know we're not. <laughs> Two and a half years in, we got to see, see how year three finishes. You get year four. It feels Is early for that. Is there any way, and I know they don't need to do it right now, but Ryan Jensen, we talked about, obviously last year of his deal, I'm not sure if the window has passed where they can extend and open up cap space, but is that something, I mean, I thought they would have done it this this past offseason that they wanted to keep him around was, you know, extend him like they did Donovan Smith and, and use those void years to open up cap space, but they didn't. And then instead of doing it with him again in the offseason, right in the summer, they went to Mike Evans and gave Mike Evans that, you know, that upload. And then they went to Ali Marpet and still didn't go to Jensen. Is that telling when you look at like these contract situations with a player that, hey, you know, if they're going to these other guys instead of coming to you and extending you, just kind of fill me in there on that mindset. It's totally a signal, and that's a good thing for you to notice, 100%. I mean, they're going to be more willing to do it with guys that they know they want to have around for the next several years. And one example this offseason was the Seattle Seahawks were in a bit of a cap crunch, and, and they went to every single person on the roster besides Russell Wilson. And I said, look, you can take all the rumors that you want. This alone convinces me that they're at least open to the idea of moving on from Russell Wilson at some point because I'm not kidding. They literally restructured every single contract besides his, whereas they could have cleared the same amount of room by just doing his and doing nobody else's. And oh. so, yeah, it's always a signal. Nothing is by accident. Um, but also to, to your point, if they wanted to extend him like midseason, they could. So they could go to him now and, and work out a deal and, and extend him. Um, and as long as they do it before the season ends, they can actually put some money in this year if they wanted to. Um, you know, but, but yeah, so, so it is fluid, but yes, that is, it's not by accident for sure. And you're talking about Jensen there. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Okay. Gotcha. I was making sure. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. Uh, it's the, yeah, the whole thing's fascinating. I, I don't know that they want to pay multiple guys on the offensive line in the, what would it be, you know, uh, in the eight figure range. I don't know if they want to do that uh, on the offensive line yet. I, 
And that's, you know, they draft Ainsley, you have Stinney there. Maybe they view those guys as replacements. Then obviously you draft other people, sign cheap free agents. Uh, you know, Brady makes it work with the offensive line. That's something that has to be considered too. If they think he has a couple more years in this, is going to be a big part of probably all the rest of what we talk about here with free agents. We're going to talk about Fournette, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. It's a big part of it, right? Like if Brady is right now is on pace to break almost every single season passing record. I know that sounds ridiculous, but and he doesn't even really need the extra game to break all of them either. He's going to have the extra game, which helps, but he's flirting with them anyway without the extra game. Even if he declines, we're still talking about a guy who's probably a better chance of winning you a Super Bowl, making a playoff run, and being successful as a franchise than Ryan most quarterbacks around the league. Like he's probably still a, he has room to decline and still be a top ten quarterback. Is he <laughs> going to fall off a cliff and be a bottom ten quarterback? I don't know if we'll ever see that. I just I just don't know if Brady wants to keep playing. Is he going to be looking in the mirror and say I'm actually bad? Like I should stop playing. I think he would if that ever came. I don't know if that point's going to come. So. I say all that just to say I think there's a conversation here with players to be like, I think Brady might come back for another year. And he could be yeah. – could if he finishes this year and wins MVP, Brad, which is very much on the table, like I said. I know people are just not really talking about Brady's an MVP right now because it's Brady and they just don't want to talk about him anymore. But he leads the league in peace. PFF's great, highest-graded quarterback by a mile. And he leads the league in pretty much every single category at the position that will win MVP. If he wins MVP – do you go to the table and start talking about another year with Brady this offseason? Because what I mean, I know he's old, but <laughs> what do you he's the MVP? Like, yeah, I, I mean the thing there is like, yes, wh- why not? I, I mean, <laughs> you just let him play it out. I'm also with you where I think, and maybe I'm wrong because he's so hyper competitive, but like where the rivers or a manning or a breeze, where like they needed to be taken out to pasture like two yeah. years before they actually hung him up. They were cooked. I don't think he would do that. I think he, like you said, he'd be in practice. He'd like not, he'd miss on a couple throws and be like, Oh, I can't do that anymore. I'm done. Like yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to make a fool of myself and we're not there yet. So yeah, I, I would pay the guy until he wants to stop playing. I, That's I, the thing. Like no yeah. one's ever going to fault you. Like you, it's Brady. Like you <laughs> right, went in right, on him. Right. You, you, you played 20 something years, but it's funny. You mentioned the offensive line and how, you know, quickly Brady gets it out. And is that, is it that important to have every single one of your guys, a top paid offensive lineman? And we've done a lot of talk about Jensen, but they also got Kappa coming up as an, un- as a unrestricted free agent as well. And obviously there was no reason on the, on your last year of your rookie deal. Don't touch that contract. You let that run out. But is there, is there, what's his market looking like? You know, as a guy who has, Steadily progressed last year. Can't forget he was, you know, in the top, led the way in fan voting in the Pro Bowl up until the end. Um, but is this a guy who they can spend, you know, feasible dollars on to try to keep him? Or is he one of these, you know, casualties of, hey, we can't pay everybody on the offensive line? Is it Jensen or Kappa? Is it one or the other? And if it is, what what do you think the the best route to take, especially with a guy like Robert Hainsey, who's been practicing at center all year long, and and again an abundant class of centers in this free agent yeah. market, but didn't oh. play center before. Worth mentioning with Hainsey, he would he be totally yes. new to it. So I thought he I, see, I thought he was practicing at right guard. So that's actually he's he, he's played at both, but yeah, well, a lot of it was at center, just so he learns to snap because they don't even gotcha. have gotcha. another snapper. Marpet's the backup center right now. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, I think. So again, b- beneficial for the Bucks. There's a lot of free agent guards this offseason as well. Um, so they should have leverage where Kappa, you know, if he wants some big deal, they, they don't have to give it to him. I do think that's the calculation you make. I think you say, look, Donovan Smith has a good deal. You know, uh, Ellie Marpet is one of the higher paid guards. We know Tristan's coming soon and, and we got to get ready for that. Um, <laughs> I think 
it's funny because I think right guard, obviously, across the league is more valued, paid higher than center. But I think with a Brady, you would you want a guy that he trusts that he you know get him yeah. the ball. There's no communication issues there. There's no issues with protections. All of that for them, I almost would be. I, I think it's an either or. And I, I don't know if I was in charge, I would say let's say you had ten million dollars available, I would be fine saying all right, put seven of that towards center and three of that towards the right guard. That would be my approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because how they. Uh, but I agree with you completely. I mean, did. Jensen is just way more important. I know you could probably save money if you let him go and just sign Kappa and made it that simple, one for one, one. But Jensen's just way more important and way better player, frankly, uh, than Dax Kappa is. Kappa's a good, good, solid player. They've done a great job. Exactly what you got to do: get a mid rounder to play at that kind of a level. You know, use his rookie contract up, use him as a starter. You get that level of play out of him. Great job. Exactly what you should do. Let him go somewhere else. Somebody else pays him. What do you think for him? Seven, eight? What do you think? Yeah. Something like that. that. Yeah. Okay. Something like right. that. Maybe even last half the tag. Guys. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have Interesting. To. Don't you don't use the tag. No. <laughs> no. No. Emily no, says. No, 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 uh, I, said, I said about he's about half the tag. Half. Oh, you know, half the tag. Yeah, coming right. at sixteen. Uh, about half the tag makes sense for Kappa. I think you know. Emily I'm says not, you oh, have to keep Jensen. He knows jujitsu. <laughs> And he smokes some bean brisket. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting because I think it is easier to replace a guard than a good center. Good point here by 179 CPV. Relationship between the center and the quarterback is important. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Kappa going to get paid. Uh, just not us. Good point, John. I agree. Yeah. I, somebody will pay him. There's lots of teams that need a start on the offensive line. He's a good one. Culture guy. About as tough as anybody in the league. But at the end of the day, you, you got to prioritize where that money's going. You got to prioritize where your time's going too. And your time could be well spent over at Spotify Greenroom. If you download it on the App Store and get it on Google Play on here, you could talk about music, sports, and culture live. You can grab the mic when you step into these chat rooms and you can take control of the conversation, voice your opinion on these topics. You can talk football with us too. If you follow Pewter Report on there, we'll send you the notifications for when we go live, send you an invitation over in Spotify Greenroom, and you can jump into the conversations with us to talk a little bucks. We talk a lot of draft on there when that time of the year comes. And we'll obviously talk a lot of contracts this uh, offseason. Right. So make sure you're following uh, Pewter Report on there um, so you can. Uh, catch up with everything that we're doing and i would be remiss if i didn't say you could also talk about golf on there and of course you can definitely talk about golf here with us and especially with our friends over at livinggolflife.com you can follow them on instagram and see all the wonderful products that they're coming out with the livinggolflife.com but most notably the polos are extremely comfortable and extremely sweet looking also the hat golf living golf life hat top one hat for me uh, in my in my uh, closet. I love that hat. Uh, and I think you could check that out and a lot of other hats that they have coming over at livinggolflife.com or following them on Instagram. So get yourself ready to get out on the course uh, and get yourself some Living Golf Life apparel. Also, great time to ask for it with the holidays coming up uh, around the corner. Sure. All right, Brad, we, we've moved through a lot of these players. Now we're going to talk about a position that I know you and your colleagues at PFF do not care about at all. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Running backs. <laughs> Leonard Fournette, uh, Ronald Jones, Giovanni Bernard, all set to be free agents. Should the box, JC posited this on the la- on yesterday's podcast, should the box not re-sign any of them and run exclusively five wide receiver sets next season? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say this was JC's wide. recommendation. He said no <laughs> running backs ever. I just or- don't think I just don't think obviously Rojo's probably the odd man out. Giovanni Bernard, what he what you know he's giving you is great. But getting older, and then Leonard Fournette, I think Rojo's maybe just out. out. Let's, yeah, we know Rojo's out. We all know that at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't think he was going to get traded, but I think just the fact his name was even kind of getting circulated in those trades probably says says something. Um, 
No, the funny thing with – well, also, you give me credit for being mostly right, so I'll raise my hand. I was wrong, and they brought Lombardi-Lenny back. That, I think that was the one I was wrong about. That's um, right. Most and, of us, uh, we, didn't, we didn't think his market would be that abysmal. I think it was the right. Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Box. Those were the three. And Right. Yeah. Here's the thing. He is our number one running back. Uh, or it's him and Chase Edmonds, and after that, it is it's ugly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, I think teams will still view him as, oh, he's a former top five pick, and he's revitalized his career, and it's still not super pretty that he's how he catches the ball. But I mean, he has thirty some, he has like thirty receptions on the year, so mm-hmm. he at least can do it. Um, yeah. He, I think, Improved will finally get right. He'll finally, I think, get that deal. He'll get the you know Six. three three year thirty million or something, and, and Tampa will not be oh. in that market. Oh, you think he'll get up to 10 a year? It could be less. It definitely could be less. Oh, yeah. It could be, you know, a okay. three-year, 20 or something like that. But but it's, long story short, it's not, like you said, it's not going to be a one-year, three and a half million. And I think he was willing to do it last time. Say, look, I, I love where I'm at. I've made some good money and, and I'll get right. more exposure. But now I think his calculus, which it should be, is I got to yeah. cash out. I got to get yeah. the one big deal. And then maybe, look, maybe I'll get cut in a year and I'll come right back. But... <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah, it's exactly yeah. right. No, you're, I think you're spot on. Lenny's, he's got to look at it that way. Anything over six is to me, the Bucks are out on. I, I don't see them right. being in on. Five. And maybe at six, they're in. I don't even know if they're in at six. I mean, that position, Bruce Aaron's offense, it clearly just doesn't matter as much as other positions. He knows that. I think the front office knows it. They can plug in some guys there. There's lots of players available at that position. And, and one guy they can bring back if they let Rojo and Lenny walk is, is Giovanni Bernard, right? Pretty cheap older running back but can passing downs can handle things that's at least a big role so if you draft somebody and it takes time to learn the pass game for running backs bruce Arians has said that a bunch takes time to learn uh third downs and things like that um you know it takes time to learn pass protection especially at the nfl level for backs out of college most of the time bruce Arians has been open though that those are the things he really values at the position well you don't want to let bernard go in that situation especially when he's so cheap right Totally. And yeah, there won't be a huge market. And he's a guy too. Oh. He spent his whole career in Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm sure he's having the, the best of times. <laughs> yeah. He'll probably get more opportunity running the ball next year too. If, if John, those guys aren't around, even one of them. So you just keep ignoring a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn. Why you just keep ignoring the guy? He's got plenty. Well, he's not of- a free agent. <laughs> talk him up. Got- Let's talk him up. No, he's got plenty of potential, I think. But just just a real quick on the running back situation. You mentioned Chase Edmonds and Le- and Leonard Fournette, probably the top two guys there. Who else is underneath there? Who's who, who's a who's a good pure run? If you bring back Giovanni Bernard, who's your pass catching back? Who's a guy who can run between the tackles, run hard, and who's not going to break the bank for the Bucks? Probably around four or five million dollars. I would say a guy like a James Conner. Um, you know, have a bit of a revitalized career in Arizona, just vulture, vulturing touchdowns left, right, and center. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, uh, he's looked you know pretty well running between the tackles. Like you said, he's a perfect like the opposite of what Gio Bernard brings to the table. Um, and and he would not be super expensive because he you know he's somewhat limited physically. Yeah, no, I think it's a good option. I obviously watched him in Pittsburgh yeah. for years. Body, I don't know what his body has oh. left in it. That's the only thing right. he's hurt all the time. And the Bucks definitely look at that but it would be very cheap and he can catch and he does pass protect he's pretty good pass protecting back um and he'll run really hard too great character guy so uh definitely would fit in a lot of ways uh, with what they want in the locker room. sign him now (laughs) good no (laughs) good name to have in in the quiver we'll see how he finishes the season out health wise i don't even know how he's holding up now but um let's look at the tight end position this gets tricky with rob gronkowski hurt right now Bruce Aarons had some encouraging things to say about him on Bucks Total Access in terms of the fact that he thinks he'll be back for the Washington game. He's hopeful. Um, so uh, you know, maybe it's not a long-term thing. But you hear back spasms for a player that's older, that's at, you know, that just had a rib injury, now it's his back. And you start to wonder about the trickle effect. Back surgeries too. Yeah. yeah it's, he's had a lot of stuff done, and so you just wonder 
even in his mind, like he's gone through another, he broke four ribs. He had a punctured or pinched lung or whatever it ended up being technically. Um, I don't think it was ever life threatening for him or anything, but you wonder, you know, does that go through his mind as he decided to hang it up? And if he doesn't, what's it take to get him back in Tampa? It was off to a great start this year. Yeah, we'll see. I guess we really got to see how the rest of the year goes, I'm sure, with him. Yeah, but I do think it's 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 relevant that he said last, I think it was last offseason, how his biggest issue and, and part of the reason he retired was that he tried to come back from injuries too quickly and then he would re-injure. And yeah, I guess he did come back and have the back spasms, but I, it did sound like if he wanted to, you know, he could have come back earlier and kind of forced the issue um, and mm-hmm. played at less than 100%. So I think it'll be a, it'll be kind of similar situation where he says, look, I'm happy to come back. Like you said, he was very productive. But again, being honest, being like, look, if I get hurt, I'm not going to like force the issue. If, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's a three week injury, I might take five weeks and you have to be OK with that. And yeah. of course, he was the opposite of that for the beginning of his career. And and that's kind of how those guys are built. But that, I think, would be the calculus. And for that reason, I think his market would come down a little bit um, to where it was this offseason, where it's more of a we want you here. You can be super productive, but you're no longer going to be like a guarantee to be playing every week and, and and willing to like go to extreme ends to be on the mm-hmm. football field. Yeah. And he's too, only willing to sign one year deals too, which is a part of it. Go ahead, JC. And I, I think too, a Gronk is he was very smart. You know, he had that personality that he came out into the league with, and he did not spend a dollar of any of his contract money lived off just endorsements. And if you look what coming to Tampa has done for him, I can't turn on the TV without seeing a Gronk on a commercial that's USAA or something else, T-Mobile, whatever he's doing. He's everywhere, so he's continuing to make that money. The question is, obviously, with same thing with Nadam Kasu, is what's it gonna, what does it cost me to suit up? Because I think he loves the game of football. I think he loves playing here in Tampa, especially with Tom. Um, you know, and injuries be damned. What is the number? What is that number to get him to lace up his cleats and further risk his body? Because, again, multiple back injuries, surgeries, stemming all the way from college. So, I mean, does this guy want to have a quality of life? We know the bang-bang type of player he is, turning that Bills play where he carried four defenders to the, to the end zone with him. So, like, what's the number? What is his, He's making 10 this year, I believe. What's the number next year to get him back, given that, hey, yeah, you know, the injury situation and everything else? Here's a cop-out answer for you as well. The Bucks will be competing. <laughs> the Bucks will be competing on that contract, not with thirty-one other teams. I think the Bucks will be competing in his negotiations with NBC, Fox, and ABC. Ooh. And I think that they will that that those guys now make ten, you know, around million dollars per year. He already did it for a little bit when he was retired. I think, like you said, he's in a million commercials. Everyone knows him and, and wants to hear mm. him talk and all that. So that's another word like Sue where it's like they could offer him five, but he might say I can make more than that and not put my body through hell. Yeah. Um, but I think he loves football. I think one year, $5 million. I think he'd, he'd maybe he'd probably hmm. do it. Interesting. That would be yeah. a win for the box. If they get him one year, 5 million. I was, yeah. you know, yeah, you never know. I just don't know. I don't know what he's going to be because his health is going to play more to it than, and how good he feels like the team is and how much Brady talks him into coming back. I think is going to play more into it than anything. Either way, tight ends a position. They got to start looking at the future because OJ Howard, I mean, they picked up the fifth year. He's playing now, but he hasn't even fully come back from the Achilles. He's fine. He looks fine. I wonder if another offense is just going to be better for him. Like they've, a Bucks ask a lot of their tight ends as blockers. He's just not proven to be that great of a blocker. He's okay, but he's not great at it. And they just ask a lot from that position in terms of blocking, especially a tough assignments. Got to handle the ends a lot. A lot of teams would look at him and just say, Hey, flex out here. I mean, Miami would just be like, you're never, never play in line. Like we don't, you know, there's some teams like that that would just allow him to be a vertical threat. And I wonder if he could thrive more in that role for another team. 
I think so. Yeah, his market's going to be fascinating. Because like you said, he, he's put some some good plays on tape this year. But I agree that I don't know if his his usage – I mean, Bruce Arians, like, he, he kind of was maybe the biggest victim of that change in the coaching staff because Arians just doesn't really use guys in the way you figured O.J. Howard could best be used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird because his vertical offense and Gronk was the best vertical tight end statistically <laughs> in the league last year. And O.J. had his moments too last year, but this year it has been almost – with three receivers that know the offense, they have just let those guys just reign vertically, and O.J. has not done much down the field this season. Maybe that changes as he gets healthier. That could be a part of it too. Yeah. Bruce said he has not been at full speed yet. He's not had his speed back from before his Achilles. Um, to his credit, he has worked hard to come back from that, and he has gotten better as a blocker from where he was last year. He's gotten better every week in everything uh, since he's been back, really. I think he's been more impressive on tape. He is kind of the the profile and the athleticism and the shortage uh, at the position in the NFL. Like, that is just a position <laughs> that pretty much sucks across the league I against mean, the injury history and the disappointment and the fact that there has not been the production, especially the last two years probably, when by the time he gets free agency, that you'd like to see from him for sure. And- and I mean, he's making six, what, six and a half million dollars this year and on the fifth year option, six, six and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. I don't know if he if he sniffs that in the open market next season, but because of what you just said, the lack of tight ends out there and quality tight ends and still the potential. You've seen the you've seen the keys to open up for the Ferrari. You've seen it go rev, rev its engine. You haven't seen it really take off. And I think teams will be interested in that and say, hey, maybe our system, like you said, maybe our system, we can get this guy going and, and, and he can run, the, you know, you run the 40 yard dash and mm-hmm. in, the, in the minute mile, whatever it is, uh, fast and furious style. But if he's not back, Cam Brate is on this, you know, year to year option basis. I got to ask he- you about Cam Brate, Brad, like. Is this guy going to be the biggest signed a six year deal? If I believe, if I like, right, remember, for 48, his, I think, yeah, I think his production has declined every year. And I know they've restructured it a few times, but he might ride this thing out and it yeah. looks good for him to not get cut. He didn't have anything guaranteed, I think, the last three or four years of his deal against That's all odds. It looks like he much. might actually get this full contract <laughs> despite which, which never happens like the, the the amount of six-year contracts that are seen to the end which he did take a small pay cut but still yeah it's like two percent like it does not happen it, <laughs> it is pretty it is pretty funny his situation the last time i was on two we thought he would be back but i actually think we did say yeah. he would have to take a pay cut to stay so and he did we'll, yeah. we'll notch in the cap there but yeah, yeah. no it, it's pretty funny I, I mean he's just he's just having a good time along for the ride <laughs> it's unbelievable what, that, what, what does that tight end look like the tight end classic like this year because if Gronk retires or goes to NBC, ABC, whatever, someone else pays OJ. I mean, what are you looking at? I mean, the draft is always a crapshoot, as we know. What's, More good what's news. More good news. In my opinion, it is the strongest tight end class in the history of free agency in the NFL, um, which isn't wow. saying a lot because, like wow. you said, tight end. There's like there's not 32 tight ends to even go around in this league, but yeah, there are a ton of very talented guys. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of guys that are projections like OJ Howard. I mean, you have Evan Ingram, David and Joku, exact same, you know, first round guys on the fifth year option, but also Dalton Schultz is emerging in Dallas. He's a free agent. They already paid Blake Jarwin. So they probably can't keep him around as well. Dallas Goddard, maybe, you know, he comes mm-hmm. available. Um, there are a ton of tight end options, which, you know, that helps. Yeah, that does. It's interesting. All right, we got to close it out here quickly. With a, we have two more questions for you, Brad. But first, gotta shout out our friends over at Pin Chasers. You can join the Pewter Report Bowling League by by emailing Matt Matera, Matt at pewterreport.com. Email him. Let him know you'd like to be a part of what's going on at Pin Chasers. You can see the locations there on your screen: East Pasco, Midtown, Veterans, Tampa. Listen, I'm telling you right now, this place is awesome. And Wednesday, six thirty p.m. 
is the next time that the bowling league meets. You can show up there, bring some friends, jump in, be a part of it, get some of this awesome food. And I don't know if this is going to be positive or negative, but I believe myself and my wife, Britt, will be there. So we'd love to meet as many of you as possible that live that listen to this show all the time, watch this show all the time, and live in the area. We'd love to, to meet with y'all and talk some bucks with y'all, uh, hang out, bowl, have some food with y'all, uh, we some drinks with y'all. We'd love uh, that. So Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. next week. Make sure you email Matt Matera at uh, matt at pewterreport.com is the email there. But they've also got all-you-can-eat pizza nights, all kinds of stuff. Check out pinchasers.net. They've just got great experience. If you got kids especially, you got the family, bring them down there on the weekend. Great opportunity to have some fun bowling, get some food, get some drinks, an awesome time at Pin Chasers. Uh, long time, long time sponsors of the Peter Report podcast. All right, Brad, Antonio Brown. This might be one of the hardest for you. In my mind, it is. Maybe you'll tell me something totally different. I just feel like his situation is so difficult because you do have the off the field stuff, but that's been a while now. Maybe he's turned over a new leaf. Is it just Tampa Bay? We don't know. Is it Tom Brady? We don't know. Last year, there didn't seem to be a huge market for him. He comes back pretty cheap to the box. He's going to be 34 years old before next season starts. Wide receivers that age just especially with the market dropping or it doesn't, they don't tend to get paid, but if, when Antonio Brown's been healthy this season, I mean, he's been unbelievable. Like he's a true number one wide receiver. Still. He looks like he could <laughs> defy like a, he could go longer than Fitzgerald in terms of like into his career and still be in productive, but Fitzgerald fell. He wasn't a number one option. Like, you know, into his thirties for sure, where AP, it looks like he could, I mean, he looked like legitimately the number one option when he's been healthy. The other part is health though. There hasn't been a serious injury, but there's been nagging injuries. The COVID, then, then he's had an ankle sprain. I don't know how much teams get worried about those things because he's been a guy that's pretty much been healthy throughout his career. He's a workout you know, crazy person. He does all these workouts and stays in good shape. What in the world happens with AB this offseason at 34 years old? Yeah, you know, it, it's remarkable. Just like Tom Brady, I guess. I mean, he's still, like you said, he looks like one of the best wide receivers in all of football when he's healthy, which is just insane. But, um, but yeah, I think what you, the way you look at it is, is – now health is also a question mark in addition to, like you said, there's nothing, I guess, pending right now, but mm -hmm. it's kind of potentially always something that's in the back of your mind. Um, look, we know for a fact that other teams were interested this past offseason. You know, I can tell you other teams were having conversations with Antonio mm -hmm. Brown's people and were exploring, you know, bringing him aboard. So it's not a market of one team. Um, but I still think end of the day, just like last offseason, the Bucks will make a good enough offer where it's worth it to him to just stay and play with Tom and chase rings and, and build up his cachet and, and like, you know, just like Gronk and everything, not that he's in commercials and all that, but I think his, you know, his image is kind of, you know, taking a, a positive turn. So I think that'll be the, the situation again, and it'll be one of the best value contracts in all of football once more. So five wide receivers, we're running it. We're yeah, running it. Yeah, it's coming back. <laughs> all right, last guy we got to ask you about, Brad, is Jordan Whitehead. Uh, he's safety, strong safety, yeah. box that. And not even really on the national radar. JC's pretty high on him. I like him a lot as well. I think he played well. He plays well in a specific role, though. They don't ask him to be a single high free safety, you know, ball roaming guy, you know, and do that kind of stuff where he's ball hawking and things like that. They also don't ask him to step down and play in man coverage a ton. He is kind of a in the box safety. He'll rotate and play in their two high coverages. They shelter his role. They've, they've used him other ways, and they found that he got exposed in other ways earlier in his career. Last two years has been perfect. He's a terrific run defender. He's usually a very good tackler. He has some opportunists. He's very smart. He's very, phys very physical. Um, so what's the situation look like for a guy like that at, at safety who isn't – safety is kind of like, right, there's all these different molds. It's hard to tell the market for safety under that large umbrella because it's all different. So what does it look like for Jordan Whitehead? 
Yeah, you know, I also think the NFL told us, you know, obviously Jamal Adams did get his big deal, but that is part because he got traded for two first-round picks, so there's no choice there. The NFL told us what they think of safeties last offseason, in my opinion, even beyond the cap and all that. And, and look, it's something that me at PFF and other people kind of had to, like, check ourselves and say, like, clearly we're not seeing something that teams are seeing, um, you know, at the safety spot because they do not want to pay these guys, even off-ball linebackers. You know, we saw their market explode with Fred Warner and Darius Leonard and, and just not the same thing at safety. So, you know, I, I like Mike Edwards. Uh, obviously, you know, you have some options there. But Whitehead is a fun player. He is a really good player. Um, not only tough, you know, played through the injury, you know, last year in the, in the, in the postseason as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like kind of like a Von Bellish market. Not great comparison. But, you know, yeah. like down in the box is where he excels. You want him playing the run. But like you said, like there are things you're not going to ask him to do. I think he's a guy where like a three-year 18 is something that would probably get a deal done mm -hmm. um, just yeah. because of his limitations. But, he, yeah, he, he's a great player, you know, and, and, and does fill a role, you know, a role very well. Is that what Von Bell got? Because that's a great – I think it's a spot-on comparison. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah. right around there, yeah. He got it right there. Okay, yeah, I think that's a great comparison. That's 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 a really – that's pretty much similar to who he is, and that's probably how teams will view him, I think, around the league. They know kind of the limitations are there, but a dead-on starter, if you have the right system, right. the right idea for right. him. I mean, he's a, he's a dead-on starter. There's no way that guy's on your bench, I think. So yeah, uh, yeah. interesting stuff, yeah. Uh, so yeah. La last thing I want to ask is – is it possible? Like, can the Bucks bring back the majority of these guys? Be under the cap, yes. get things you know, not totally screw themselves for the future. Obviously, they'll, they'll present some challenges. But you mentioned the cap going up at a pretty high rate. Is is that all still in the cards for the Bucks? I think once again, just like last off season, they can do pretty much. Yeah, if wow. they want to go extreme, they can. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, wow, lots of flexibility there. I got a quick question too. Uh, so last year, you look at all these holes that the Bucks had filled. They filled them with their own own players. They brought everybody back. This year, there looks to be there looks to be positions on this team: tight end, guard, running back, maybe wide receiver uh, in that room. Maybe you know you look around the diff different spots. How much of a destination, and how much do you think that team that players will say okay? Because last year there wasn't an opportunity. Now there is that the Bucks can get some really quality veterans into this building and help them with this team. How likely is it that they'll be able to add uh, some really good players for surprising dollar amounts when it, when it comes down to it? Great question. I think it will only elevate. I think players will look at it as, as look, this might be the last opportunity to ever play with Tom Brady, you know, on a football field period. So, and I also think there's a couple of good examples. Look about two wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster and Will Fuller. They signed one-year flyers and, and both seasons. I mean, Juju for injury, he was playing all right. Um, and, and Fuller just not really getting on the field. But like, those are two examples to where they're again, not going to get a market. So maybe say, convince them, take another one-year flyer. You'll get exposure. You'll get you know good quarterback play. All of that. Um, I think they will. That that will be the market where they, like you said, if they lose guys, they're just going to bring in every veteran that they can convince. You know, come in for a true last dance uh, with Tom Brady. Speaking of every veteran, I'd be remiss, and I know Scott would be upset if we didn't ask about number eleven on the playbook, number one in your hearts, Mister Blaine Gabbert. Is there a possibility that they bring Blaine Gabbert to be the guy, even though they brought back Kyle Trask? It might be, it might say some some scary things about Kyle Trask, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they could bring him back for the minimum. But that might be that might be a bad thing uh, based on what it implies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, but you know, I think that if you're looking around the league, um, you kind of see what the Patriots used to do, right, and bring those veterans in at the end of their at the end of their rope for for another one last run. And I think the Bucks have set themselves up in a position right now where they can actually do that. They can go out there and they can bring in some guys and and make that push 
with these veteran free agents and save themselves a bunch of money too, while also being able to plan for the future. Because as we know, they've been one of the best teams at planning for the future. Even if you looked at what they had in cap space going into this year, they had the most projected cap space for next year before this year or top three for next year before they spent all the money retaining their own. So I think the the Bucks will set themselves in, in a great position to keep going forward and have money to spend uh, with even after Tom Brady retires. But right now they're in that position, like you said, being able to bring those guys back and really, um, you know, keep that yeah. run going for as long as keep Tom it rolling. Is. Keep it rolling. Yeah. Why not? It's a big off season for sure. And there could be some changes coming, but I don't think as much as maybe people on the outside think that there will be, I think they'll, they'll be able to, and they will, I think, keep a lot of what they have in house, but how the season finishes out big for a lot of these situations for sure. And at that point, if Brad, if you were willing, we would love to have you back on, I'm sure to talk more about this next off season. Once we get through the, the playoffs and all of that kind of stuff, we'll have uh, more of your thoughts. I'm sure coming. He is Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, ladies and gentlemen, and contributor over at OverTheCap.com, which is the best place. If you're wondering about salary cap and contracts for players, go to OverTheCap.com. The information there is unbelievable, and uh, obviously the stuff of Pro Football Focus is amazing as well. So follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad on there. Brad, man, I know we kept you for a while, but the insight is tremendous, dude. We really appreciate awesome. the time. No, thank you so much. I'm just glad that you like the Von Bell comp. That that made my whole week. <laughs> I love it. I think it's spot on. That's exactly that's exactly what, what I was looking for. That's something just like that. I think it's perfect. So great stuff. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back not till Monday. We're going to take a couple days. This is the most time you'll be away from us in a while. Wow, Bucks fans, hopefully you don't miss us too much. Uh, but head on over to pewterreport.com if you haven't today. There are a ton of great Bucks stories up on the site. JC and I were listening to Bucks Total Access today, and that thing is a oh, gold yeah. mine. Lots of good stuff for Marion's over there. So head on over, check out some of the articles today, and there'll be more going up tomorrow, later today, maybe even uh, on the site as well. So check out over some of the stuff we've got going on over there. Until Monday, though, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Oh.